I've been an advisor for 17 years. And in a lot of my early years, and I had a partner who was a rainmaker, and I was sort of the junior up and coming person uh, doing all the behind the scenes financial planning and asset management. I had a wonderful mentor in, in my partner, and he put me in front of clients. Uh, but I always had a lot of fear around making rain. I figured that in my career, I would always be an awesome number two, but I never saw myself as like a number one. I never saw myself as a rainmaker. Shying away from the traditional sales roles didn't stop Natalie Taylor from finding her groove. In fact, it may have made her the best kind of financial advisor. In it for the passion and belief that everyone deserves access to personal financial advice. By dabbling in multiple roles in advisory firms and fintech shops, Natalie's confidence in herself grew and she's gone on to building a flourishing financial practice. Today, we're putting to bed the old rainmaker stereotype for our industry with our friend and certified financial planner, Natalie Taylor. Welcome to the Advisor Growth Journey, an immersive podcast that breaks down real independent financial advisor stories about overcoming obstacles, embracing failure, and finding the strength to press forward. From building an independent firm to making key business decisions to navigating an acquisition, sale, or succession plan, the Advisor Growth Journey shares insights based upon real advisor scenarios, allowing you to confidently chart your course. Meet Natalie Taylor, a financial advisor in Santa Barbara, California. But when Natalie launched her own two years ago, she had the same fear that most young entrepreneurial advisors have. Will I be able to build a real business? Will I be able to get clients? I think some of it, a lot of it was, was fear of, you know, my network isn't, isn't there. Um, but I think most of it was fear around like not wanting to be salesy. I think I still had this image in my mind that to be a rainmaker, to bring in business meant that I had to be salesy. And that just didn't feel authentic to who I was. I was raised to be very like apprehensive um, and on guard if someone came off in the least bit salesy, um, that, that immediately I would distrust them and have to be on guard. And I never wanted to be the person doing that to anybody else. It just isn't who I am. With this fear of finding clients, Natalie began working in fintech. She said she learned in that sector that great salespeople don't have to be salesy. I think when I show up kind of heart forward, integrity forward, mission forward, that people are attracted to that and they want to work with me because they can tell that I truly care about them, that I love this work, that this is my way to serve the world. Natalie's right. Being a great advisor with a thriving business doesn't require you to be salesy. It just requires you to be smart. Integrated John Pastore has some ideas. Well, you know what I think? It's, it's a mindset change, right? Everybody thinks that we're going to close an account um, or a client the second that we meet them. And that is the furthest from the truth. People can smell desperation. If a dog can sense fear or anger, or, you know, clients and people can sense it as well. It needs to be organic. It needs to be from your heart. It needs to, you need to be you. And to do that, I think instead of trying to close a client, going for a no is a much better way than going for a yes. So make some assumptions. For Natalie, finding a great mentor helped her learn a lot. But working at a small insulated practice created only new fears about whether or not she could build a practice on her own. You know, I had a, a mentor, partner advisor. I had our clients who largely were not my age. 
Um, and then we had one or two staff members at any given time. And so my world was relatively small. And I think working on a larger team and trying to serve millions of people versus you know, maybe 100 or 200 people, I think it just opened my eyes to how much impact we can have and where we can have impact. Like many advisors, Natalie thought she'd spend a career as a fantastic number two. I think in my own brain, I had to think of myself as like a, like I wanted to be a Doogie Howser. Like I looked about 14. Uh, I was 22 or 23 when I started, but I looked very young. And so I kind of fancied myself as like, okay, well then what I can do is I can be a Doogie Howser type, just a young, super smart working super hard, learning a ton of things. Um, that's, that's who I needed to be. And I could be that in support of someone who brought in the business. I could execute on all the rest. Experts like Scott Leak at FP Transitions say the secret to going from a great number two to a great number one requires a total change in thinking. So, you know, there's some inherent flaws in the eat what you kill model that a lot of the, you know, founders of advisory firms are operating under today or, or grew up uh, operating under. And so they have a natural tendency to want to just put their young people in the exact same format. And it just doesn't work. Like we've proven over and over again, this isn't the best way to attract or retain next generation talent. And it's not the best way to go about building a business because what you're doing is you're, you could potentially be creating one of your best competitors if they're good. And if they're not good, well, you're wasting time and you're wasting money and you're possibly damaging your brand and creating a negative client experience for those people that aren't really cut out for rainmaking, but you're trying to force them to do it. And so, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing a shift in the industry where we're starting to reward young professionals a little bit more with a good base salary and maybe some type of profit sharing or bonus structure that makes sense for both of them to be incentivized to grow the business as well as for the owners of the firm to build more equity in their business. Natalie said having a great team empowered her to become a great rainmaker. Yeah, I think having a team really makes a difference because it allows you to play the role that's most irreplaceable about you. Um, when it's just you, you have to do all the roles. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you're particularly good or particularly bad at any of those things, it just all needs to get done. Today, Natalie has another advisor, Cindy Hall, that helps power her practice. She's also a terribly overqualified paraplanner and operations manager for me. So she wears a lot of the hats that, that are more replaceable for me. But it's been such a gift to have her, her partnership, really, in, in being a team together so that I can really focus on where I add the most value and um, I can be more present with clients and have the discernment and the gravitas and the confidence and the perspective that I think are most irreplaceable about me. And Cindy is able to do so much of the other work and come alongside me. And I couldn't do what I do without her. And I don't, you know, she couldn't do what she does without me. I've had the gift of helping Cindy over the years, because we actually work together at LearnBest as well, but grow into a lead advisor of her own. And that has been such a gift to like invest in her and to share some of that perspective and discernment. And as my thinking has evolved from, you know, I'm the one, I'm the knower of the things and, and it's my job to come up with the solutions that people come with problems and I have the answers that that's where my value is. The biggest challenge for great lead advisors is determining that unique value. John Pastore says it's also about thinking like guns and roses because all we need is just a little patience. 
got to be patient with yourself, but you've got to do it consistently. You've got to build habits. It's no different than an athlete that trains every day in the gym or a, a, a chef that works on their art or musician. It's part of what we do. It's, I, I, laugh, I often laugh because people are so quick to give up in this, in this business. We have a very high failure rate, but that's almost the equivalent of saying, hey, um, I'm a golfer and I don't go and take practice swings or I, I you know, I think I'm going to win, you know, the, uh, the you know, I'm going to win a major tournament my first time out. That doesn't happen. So we have to be okay with rejection. We have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Natalie says it's all about authenticity. I think authenticity when it comes down to it is, is probably the most key thing for me and my work. And it, it's interesting because I was talking to a friend who works for a VC firm and he said, you know, authenticity, transparency, you know, being genuine and kind and caring about the best for your client. These should all, those are all table stakes in your industry, right? Like these should not be your differentiators. And I wholeheartedly agree with the sentiment that these should not be differentiators, but I think for me, they really are. Um, and I think for those of us who are willing and able to show up that way, they really do differentiate us. I think for us to be authentic and at ease allows clients to be authentic and at ease. I think a lot of clients are attracted to working with me because they truly don't feel judged about the decisions they've made and about the things that they want. You know, they can voice what their desires are with me in a non-judgmental place. And I, I think that makes quite a bit of difference. And I think it took time for me to grow into being able to show up as authentically as I, as I do now. I think in my early 20s, when I looked 14, you know, I was worried that clients would know that I was just renting an apartment and shared it with my sister or with a roommate or that I had a you know boyfriend and that I was still driving the first car that my parents ever bought me. You know, I, I didn't feel I felt like two people. I felt like there was the work self and then there was the other self, my personal self. And I was like, oh, gosh, what if a client runs into me on a weekend and I'm wearing sweats and with my boyfriend, you know, like I just it felt like there was two versions of me. And I think some of that is growing from your 20s to your 40s. Um, some of that was just realizing how to integrate who I was as an advisor and who I was as a human and how I could show up more wholeheartedly and holistically in my business life. At the end of the day, Natalie knows it's still difficult for young advisors to make rain. So what's her best advice? I think for newer advisors who are struggling with making rain, I would say a few things. One is that building your knowledge and your skill set and your experience with casework and designations, that is all really important. It will give you the background knowledge you need to be effective in your work. It'll also start to build your confidence over time. And I think both are really important. I think the second thing to know is to start to think about how can I show up in a way? So I think that part of what happens with rainmaking is that we overly focus on how can I relate to the client? And then we end up making connections that are an attempt to compare where we are to where they are in some way or to relate. Um, when I would say even now, like I take much more of a therapist approach, like our work is about the client and not about me. Um, just like when you work with a therapist and they know um, your deepest, darkest secrets, but you don't even know if they're married or have kids or divorced. Um, I take sort of that same approach. So when I'm connecting and making rain, I'm not doing so by saying, oh, you have kids. I have kids too. Oh, you worked there. I have a friend that worked there. Um, oh, you went to that university. I went to that university too. Um, 
because that's not really where we deeply connect. What's more important is even if I have been through a similar life experience as them, for example, that I keep the focus on them instead of saying, oh yeah, me too. And ask them a question that shows that I have the insight into where they are too. So if I have a client who says, well, I took six months off and I'm now just transitioning back into work after having babies, I can say, how has that transition been for you? Or what have you found to be challenging about that transition, right? Because I'm still keeping the focus on them. I'm still connecting with them, but I'm giving them the space instead of connecting by taking space for myself, if that makes sense. And I think that is helpful in how I make rain now. And I I wish I would have understood more of that before. I think in the early days I thought, oh gosh, how can I relate? And a lot of times it was like, oh yeah, my parents, you know, cause I was helping people, my parents say, oh yeah, my parents own a house in that area too. Or, oh, my parents, you know, but I did, I was hard for me to relate. And I think now I feel the freedom that it doesn't have, it's not about me anyway. So I think that shifted my perspective and made it, it sort of put rainmaking in a, in a different light. Thank you for listening to the advisor growth journey podcast. This podcast is produced by Proudmouth and directed by Jess Flynn of FP Transitions and Matt Ackerman of Integrated Partners. We hope today's story provided insights to serve you on your wealth management journey. Even the most profitable and well-known advisors have faced difficult decisions and made numerous course corrections before hitting their stride. If you have a story you'd like to share with other advisors, please visit advisorgrowthjourney.com and message our team. In the meantime, click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content in this material is for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and no guarantee of future results. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member of FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Integrated Partners, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial.